so much has happened since I last saw you. I lost my hammer, like yesterday, so that's still pretty fresh. And then I went on a journey of self-discovery. Where I met you. everyone and welcome back to Joygasm where we talk about video games, movies, and pop culture. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360, and joining me is my hobbit-sized Hulk of a Hermano, Steve, aka Steveovich, as we Ragnarok our way into episode 45 on this November 4th. 2017. To get the most out of Joygasm, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on joygasm.tv and soundcloud.com slash joygasmtv. Also, for exclusive access and some sweet goodies, check us out at patreon.com slash joygasm. And no matter which platform you use to enjoy the show, please drop us a subscription, thumbs up, or a review. It helps us build awareness, which we appreciate very much. Today's show is going to be dedicated to the movie Thor Ragnarok, which Steve and I have just seen, and we are looking forward, I think, to getting into a little analysis, if you will. You think or you know? I have a premonition, (laughs) a sixth sense, perhaps? I'm not exactly sure, but I suppose what we could do is what we always do which is we can start out at a high level and just give impressions of the film and then drill down into the following categories. Cast slash acting, plot, script slash dialogue, cinematography, soundtrack, 
and costumes. And at the very end, I also happen to have more of the trivia goodness, courtesy of IMDb, which I have found some juicy morsels to be able to share with all of you lovely listeners out there. I suppose what we'll do too is we will, since we're going to just start with high level and then go drill down is for those of you who haven't seen the the film yet, you can get kind of a high level synopsis of what we feel like. We won't give any spoilers at that point in time. And then we'll break briefly to like give you the, uh, the option of deciding whether or not you want to continue listening a little bit of a heads up. So Steve, <laughs> you just, you're just a sight for sore eyes across that table. I sure am happy to see you. You need to share some of that uh, leftover Halloween candy over here. You know, I'm, I'm literally picking the uh, peanuts out of my teeth from eating a little mini Snickers over here. Snickers are good. good. Snickers are good. I think uh, Snickers, I, I was looking into it one one point, and they have as much protein or as little protein as uh, a regular balance bar does. Are you serious? Yeah. But what about the calories? Well, the calories are a little more because you got- The like, calories <laughs> are what screw you over. Yeah. You got, uh, you got uh, all that caramel, the caramel. I believe it. Uh, I am a fan of oh. the. You know, the I always sugar. go back and forth between saying caramel or caramel. I think if I'm trying to sound fancy, I'll say caramel. But I think most of the time I say caramel. Tomato, tomato. You know, whatever. Yeah. People know what you want. <laughs> it depends on what kind of reaction you get from the other person. If you go caramel, the person gives you like, no, 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 no. it's caramel. And you're like, oh, I mean, uh, I mean, what? My bad. Caramel. <laughs> <laughs> caramel. Caramel. So getting on to the high-level thoughts of the film, I guess the first question is, is did you like the movie? Ah! Not too much. I'm not so much. Not so much. Oh, okay. Not so much. But I know I'm probably in the minority on that because uh, I did hear... Many laughs, many giggles, chuckles, and I titters, think I, perhaps. Yeah, titters. <laughs> so I, I think my my opinion might not be the most popular, but it's what I feel. Down on your cockles. Yeah, I, I have to. I have to be true to my feelings. And that's perfectly fine. That's why we do these little impressions, this little critiquing, if you will. I, I think it was because. You know, we get from the trailer that it, it's going to be a little more funny and humorous. Mm-hmm. I just didn't expect it to be a fully fledged comedy mm-hmm. because we went from sci-fi adventure fantasy to sci-fi or yeah, I guess still sci-fi adventure comedy. Yeah. And I was a little bit uh, confused and I don't know. I, I just thought it was, it was pretty predictable. So I kind of already knew the punchlines before the punchlines came to me. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. What about you, Rich? I liked it. I thought it was fun. I, I think you could probably tell that in the theater. I was laughing it up uh, quite a bit in there. Um, I think that there were um, a couple of issues with the film in terms of it just having missed opportunities to be able to drill down into, into more of the, the folklore, more of the backstory of some of these characters. But overall... I think that Marvel Studios has done a masterful job with the casting. I think that all the the newcomers to the world of Thor were were perfectly cast in their roles. And even just going beyond the movie of Thor, I think that we've even talked about this on previous episodes, but um, the casting director or directors, I don't know who all is involved with it, over at Marvel Studios has just done a wonderful job. It doesn't matter who it is for which role, but just everybody has just fit their roles beautifully. 
This, I would say, at a high level, is probably my favorite Thor film so far. I'm starting to hear that a lot. Yeah, I, I, it was funny. I was watching the trailer of the first Thor movie, and I was actually telling my wife this, because actually the wife came with us to go see Thor Ragnarok, because she is quite the fan of the beefcake known as Hemsworth. <laughs> as well as many other ladies. Yeah, that's right. I, I presume. And I was telling her, I said, you know, I, I looked at the first trailer, and... Chris Hemsworth actually, I can I can actually say this from a very heterosexual standpoint, mm. that he actually has gotten better looking as he's gotten older. Mm. It's interesting to look at him in the first film, which of course my wife is like, no, no, he's he's hot, he's always hot, he always will be hot. He's just uh, like like she gets all hot and bothered. But at the same time, when I'm looking at it, you should check it out when you get time. Watch the the trailer from the first Thor, and then watch the Ragnarok trailer and. I think the the dude is like a fine wine. It's like he's just he just every time it's like man that dude has even gotten more handsome as time gone on. I think they've done this is a very hetero thing for me to say too, Russ. But I think they they <laughs> he sure they, is. <laughs> they've changed his hair a bit. Yeah, I, I remember seeing it in the trailer for the second one, and I went back to this one, and he's uh, they kind of changed up his do. Well, I mean, obviously they cut his hair. You see yeah. that in the trailer, but I mean, when it's long, it still looks different than it did in number two. That majestic mane of his. But I think he bulked up a little bit more for this one as well. I think so. Well, I think it's kind of like how Hugh Jackman was with Wolverine. When he first started out, it's like, okay, I mean, he's he's slender and he's got a little muscle mass to him. And then by the time you watch Logan, I mean, he's the dude is like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's just so beefcaked up. In fact, I think I actually saw uh, a funny comic strip. I was kind of poking fun at that where it's like, for some reason, like each Wolverine movie or X-Men movie that comes out, he, just, he gets more roided up. Well, but I mean, not to, not to say yeah. he takes roids. Right, he's no. not. He's, he's definitely doing it the the correct uh, way, but just it's just amazing, like seeing his his body mass continue to just defy logic. You got to give the fans something, you know. They they're expecting Wolverine to look like he did in the comics, yeah. So and in the comics, sometimes he's like bigger and bolted out, uh, and then sometimes he's not so much. I mean, he's still strong, but not as not as big. Yeah. So, no, I get it. Yeah. Uh-huh. But do. it's interesting that you bring up hair because that was one of the things I thought has improved with Chris Hemsworth's character. As, Chris Crimsworth? Yeah, Chris Crimsworth. <laughs> Cri- what? What Wait, well, well, Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Whip cream? I don't know. Sour yeah, cream? Uh, moving on. No. Um, but anyway, when you look at his beard in particular, his beard almost looks like a, one of those like fake beards like um, you would glue onto your face for Halloween. It's not that bad. But if you look at his beard, it clearly is not as manly, I guess you could say, for mm. lack of a better way of describing it. And then when you look at his beard in the third one, you're like, whoa, okay, that's a man beard. Anyway, I'm totally digressing. But anyway, I did think that in terms of, of just the overall presentation of Thor Ragnarok, I did feel as though that this has been the strongest uh, iteration um, of, the, of the Thor lore, as it were. <laughs> the Thor lore. I did think that the surprises were plentiful and helped move the world of, of Thor forward. You know, I think that um, we'll get into more of this as we drill down into the film with the various categories. But I do think that... The, the previous two Thors had this, this problem um, with just trying to find an identity for Thor. Not to say that Thor himself has an identity problem, but just the <laughs> film itself, it just seems like they are like, like they weren't quite sure how far they should take it. 
And I feel like with Ragnarok, they actually decided to take those creative restraints off. And as a result, they have taken this major step forward in the right direction, in my opinion. I also was delighted at how funny the film was. I know you weren't um, too keen on, on the style of humor in, in the movie. Uh, I, I feel like I was one of those like obnoxious people sitting next you to you. Were, like, we're like, I'm actually. slapping you on the back. Like, you know, you're like, I'm a complete stranger. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're just like, oh, there, yeah, you and this lady behind me. Just, oh, she was into it, man. man. You guys were laughing your heads off. I'm like, uh, I already know what they're going to say. And it's like, why the chicken cross the road? Because he wants to go to the other side. Because he wants to go to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I already know. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into more of that later. But I, for one, um, actually really enjoyed that that particular approach. Um, What else? Well, I, I think in the first movie, you can kind of forgive... Uh, a little bit of the identity crisis in a way because they're, it's, it's the brand spanking new film. And I actually liked the first film. The second film was kind of a tragedy. They just really slapped it together and I went back through it and uh, watched some scenes and and um, it, the story just wasn't connecting the dots. Yeah. Like this happened, then this happened, and then what, this happened over here yeah. and then somehow we're going to tie it all together and here's the movie. Uh, yeah, I know. The second one was like a throwaway. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this Except one was, for Natalie Portman. Except True. I could stare at Natalie all day long. In, indeed. And um, we, she definitely needs to, to come back. I will say I am a little bummed that she was not at all in this particular film. But hopefully she'll be back. Mm-hmm. I think the, the other thought I can say at a high level is just the fact that um, the overall vibe of the film was enthusiastic. It had more of an immersive quality to it. Um, and above all, above all else, it was really just fun. I think that that's the biggest word I thought of just, just as I'm writing my notes here, it's just, it was just a fun movie, which is that, uh, you know, that three letter word not to be mistaken with fat or anything else, but yeah. Okay. Ross, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you, (laughs) it was was fun and I'll give you that. It was, it was, uh, colorful. I don't think you said colorful, but it was very true. It was very colorful. But um, yeah, I, I just I couldn't I couldn't get into it as much as I wanted to get into it. Were you expecting a lot more when you went, or I was expecting a lot? Did more. you not know what to expect? I halfway knew what to expect after the first film, and or excuse me, the first film, <laughs> the second film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you binge watch Thor in one day, huh? Uh, some people do Lord of the Rings on wall one day. I do all fours on one day. Uh, so lightning, <laughs> love lightning. So uh, after the second one, which I was really disappointed with, uh, I, I, I figured they would go in this direction. And I thought, man, this is going to be kind of a slippery slope because of uh, the, the humor choices that they were choosing. I, I'm just not on board with it and I don't really find it that funny, but that's just me. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, I, I could see what you're saying, but I can't tell you from my opinion that it was funny. I can't agree because I was hardly laughing. I was sitting right next to you in the theater. Mm-hmm. You were. And then you're like, <laughs> looking at me and I'm just like cracking a smile like, yeah, what? All right. Yeah. You know, I wonder if it was just, I, w- I you know what? I would pose this to you. Oh, geez. I think that if you were to return to the theater and drink a monster or a Red Bull or something like that. Get all no. sugar. <laughs> <laughs> no. But if you were to actually go back to the theater and watch it again, I think that there is a chance, oh. no matter how slight, oh, that you may actually find yourself enjoying it. Because I feel like 
I don't think you were in the right mood to see that movie on that day. I think that 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 there just was. And the reason I say this is because I've been this way too with certain films where like I go to the film, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but for whatever reason, I'm not in the right frame of mind. I've got something else going on in the back of my mind or I'm stressed about something or I'm tired or I got a headache or whatever it is, but I'm just not in that, that right frame of mind. And then when I see the movie again later on, whether it's at the theater or I watch on Netflix or whatever, all of a sudden I'm like, wow, this was actually a lot better than I remember. Well, I will definitely give it another shot. I won't see it at the theater. Yeah, I think I've said quite a few times in the show that uh, I the, they need to increase the the resolution on the screens. They need to do something with the theater experience because when you bring the movie home, <laughs> they need virtual seats. <laughs> yeah. um, Give me some shaking in my booty when I. <laughs> I want to feel like I'm on a simulator ride for two hours. Yeah, really. So, I, with the pacing of the movie, and, that would actually be pretty cool. Yeah, it would be cool. I'll give you that. And the the frame rate with the projectors nowadays, I, I don't I don't really get enthusiastic with the, with a lot of a lot of the movies now. And actually, if I watch it on DVD or Blu-ray, it's a lot better of experience for me personally. Ah. Um, and I didn't have coffee. Yeah, that's right. You did not have so, a cup of the proverbial Joe. Um, and I don't need the Joe every day, but that day would have been would have helped but still mm-hmm. I, I you know i didn't i didn't have a cup of joe when i saw baby driver and my expectations were pretty low of baby driver and i ended up really liking baby driver <laughs> so uh with that being said i i must uh continue to remain with my opinion and uh, i'll i'll give another watch i'm sure it'll be out in three months because they're getting quicker and quicker with all these these uh, releases. You know, I think The Dark Tower is now just released. I think you're right. That, I mean, I don't even think it was three months ago that yeah. that movie was out. Was it? Well, that was like two. I don't think it did well at the theater right, at all. No, and so as a result, I think that they just quickly just booted <laughs> it out to Blu-ray and digital get it all, download. Go, go, get it, get it. <laughs> well, I think that about wraps it for the high level portion of this. So why don't you step into the elevator here with me, Steve? <laughs> Hmm. Uh, push the uh, door close button there, if you will. I think, I think someone is wearing way too much perfume <clears throat> in here That's before us. Yeah. Huh? Was that you? I like to smell good. Hmm. You know, the way the woman's heart's through her nose, Russ. I had no idea. That, that's it's tra- uh, Ask 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 the the, the whiff. A whistle. Tell- I'm telling you, I believe this aroma uh-huh. is uh, it's burning the nostril hairs. <laughs> Better, better than that, or than I uh, cut the cheese a little bit. You know, which, which would you rather have? Uh, neither. <laughs> you know, I'm looking up. They actually have mirrored ceilings in this elevator. It's hot. Hmm. It's pretty kinky. Oh, here's our floor. Ah, finally. Yeah, mm. that was pretty quick. Not bad. I think they've improved the speed on this. Very nice. All right, folks, we are now getting into the spoiler version of the Thor Ragnarok review. So if you have not seen the film, we definitely would encourage you to pause this and go watch it first. Otherwise, if you don't care, (laughs) let's continue. Okay. So let's jump right in. Cast slash acting. Let's start off with Chris Hemsworth. Awesome. I believe he is the absolute perfect Thor. It's going to be a sad day if he hangs up the, the hammer. Uh, yeah, and the beard. <laughs> Can you imagine him hanging up a beard? Yeah. Here. I'm done with this. <laughs> like, what is he doing? He's peeling off Did his you beard. skin a cat? What yeah. happened? 
Yeah, no, he, it, it will definitely be a sad day when that man decides to quit Thor because I just, yeah, the dude is just Thor. Don't follow the way of Tony Stark. No. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. And I think that's going to be actually a sad day when, you know, slowly but surely each one of the actors retires out from their character just because they've been in so many of these films. And as a result, everybody just, that's who that character is, is that particular actor. So. Yeah. Kate Blanchett. I need to say something, Russ. Because oh. I, I feel like in, in this time around, I need to give kudos where kudos are due. Because I'm going to be I'm gonna be a little bit of a negative Nancy on this one. And you're, you're going to know it. So I'm going to give you a little, little kudos. Are those kudos covered in chocolate? Chocolate chips, but but uh, laced. Laced. Chocolate, yes. Not layered. You know, it's one thing that uh, Chris does. Christopher. Christopher. Uh, his expressions and the movie are, are good. And his like reaction with the expression to the joke, because yeah. he, he's kind of funny. Yeah. That was, he, I mean, he fits his role, but that particular portion for this single movie stood out among the rest. Absolutely. So I have to give him the kudos for that. Okay, go on. Well, he, he, he really did. And I think I'll probably talk about this in a minute, but he just, he really did have a really impressive command of comedic timing. I mean, humor is not something that is the easiest thing to do, especially in film. And I, I really felt like we got to see a different facet of his acting ability with that. But anyway, going back to Kate Blanchett, who is one of the, the newcomers to the MCU family, uh, she is always a pleasure to watch on screen. And, you know, I thought you were going to be pretty excited to see her on screen just because you being a huge Lord of the Rings fan, you know, she was Lady, what was her name? Uh, Galadriel. Yeah, that's right. You know, I just read a story on Facebook that Kate Upton got married, so I was halfway thinking you were going to say, what do you think of Kate Upton on screen? I'd be like, man, um, <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally from left field. Like, how did you get to Kate Upton from... Uh, anyway. Kate Blaine, I guess Kate, Kate, all right. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> well, then, so, I, then I started thinking of Uptown <laughs> Funk by uh, Bruno, Bruno Mars. Mars. And, uh, uh, yeah, so now I'm way out. No, no. Okay. Uh, so yeah, no. Kate uh, looked like she had a lot of fun in the movie. Um, however, I can't. When, when certain scenes, when she's being a little more angry and edgy and and uh, pissed dark. off, dark, yeah, moody, uh, she's <laughs> stoic. <laughs> she's having a lot of fun with the role, and she's very convincing. Other times, with the pacing of her speech, uh huh. I heard Galadriel in my mind saying something along the lines of things that are, things that were, and things that have not yet come to pass. I'm like, oh, she's going to say it. She's going to say it. <laughs> I, c I don't know. I am I, not saying that you know, she has to change the way entirely that she speaks, but I think her role in, and with Galadriel it was tattooed in my mind. Uh -huh. So when I hear her voice and with the same kind of pacing of, of that, that she speaks, yeah, I was thinking of Lady Galadriel. It's, it's certainly a signature style of her acting. Yeah. Every movie I've seen her in, I mean, I remember she was in Indiana Jones 4 as the Russian villain in there, and she also had kind of that that fierce, uh, piercing gaze that she does and, and a lot of her, her um, speaking patterns and that sort of thing. And just, yeah, it's, it's, it's undeniably her. But I was overall, I was really glad to see her in there and she did a great job. I think, um, once again, I, I think they kind of squandered her, her, 
presence in the film. It would have been nice to have seen a bit more because she's really not in the film very much at all. And looking at her and the character that she was playing as Hella, Hello actually was, to, in my opinion, really. That's Hella with one L, not two. That, that is correct. <clears throat> she was one of the more memorable villains out of all of the Marvel villains that I've seen in these movies so far. I, I really wanted to see more of her, but... In addition to Kate Blanchett, there was Tom Hiddleston as Loki. He's always a welcome sight to see. I hadn't seen him in a few films, I think. I haven't seen him in a while. I, uh, I'm a little Loki'd out, Russ. You're a little Loki'd out, huh? Yeah. You know, he's, uh, he's been in like every Thor movie. Every, like, if, 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 uh, if Chris Hemsworth is in it, then Loki's in it. Uh-huh. And I was like, mm, I don't know. I like the character of Loki. But it's like, okay, there's Loki again, and he's going to be mischievous, and he's going to try and kill Thor. <laughs> you know, it, it, he just, I don't know. I always liked um, Tom, though, just as an actor. I think he fits that role perfectly. Also, like, just when it comes to the the different t- late-night talk shows I've seen, he's actually really good at doing impressions. Like, I've seen him do ones of Owen Wilson and others, and it's just it's really funny to watch him uh, just go about doing that sort of thing. Uh, what? <laughs> no, I'll save it for later. <laughs> <laughs> so then we also have Idris Elba, who plays um, Himdal, who was the all-seeing gatekeeper of the Bifrost. That's um, awesome. Yeah, he's great. He he got a larger part to play in this film, and I think I think we both agree he's definitely like the the bedrock of yeah. He can't um, leave Asgard. He don't don't ever kill him off. No, there there was a time when he got cut. Or he got stabbed or something. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I don't think so. I think he got cut on his thigh. Or something, yeah. I don't know. It could have been a main artery, Rose. I don't mm-hmm. know. But anyway, he he and uh, and Chris have a great chemistry on screen. They do. It's really believable. And once again, the casting did a fantastic job of casting him in particular for that role. I mean, it's just perfect. Jeff Goldblum was another newcomer to the Marvel family. And... Grandmaster he, Goldblum. Yeah, that's right, Grandmaster. He tends to play the same type of character, and this one is no different, which is not a bad thing, but it's definitely a predictable one. Ah, yes. Uh, uh, welcome to the class game, and yes, I'm bad this time. Yes, no, okay, of course, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> and uh, 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 what we're going to do here is... Uh, 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 yeah. oh, step over here and uh, uh, hello, hello. Oh, are, you, yeah. are you paying attention? Um, I'm speaking. Yeah. I'm speaking. Yeah, I'm, I'm speaking. Hey, you don't don't to me. kill him yet. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, no, it's very <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. We both love ourselves some Jeff Goldblum ever since we saw him in uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just as the Grandmaster, he once again, that that was a role that was just almost tailored for the guy and, and uh, he, he did well. I did feel as though they did spend a little too much time on his planet, but we'll get to that in, in a bit. Um, you know, it'd be interesting. Side side point here, Rose. If uh, see how Jeff Goldblum's Grandmaster character relates to uh, Benicio del Toro's Collector character, I, I because had I little inklings of that as well. I don't remember in the in Marvel universe if they're related or just know each other or they're just or yeah. do they even know each other? I th- I'm I'm pretty sure they know each other. Yeah, you should uh, do some check up on that. Do some giggling. Some giggling. Tessa Thompson, another newcomer, uh, was badass um, without seeming corny. And I think that that humor had a lot to do with it. I think that if the film took a much more somber, serious tone, it probably would have been a little overkill for me personally. Especially with all the drinking. 
Yeah, the drinking, the hardness. I mean, it's just kind of like, okay, here's yet another hardened chick that's like in film. I get it. You know, like I don't, I think it's perfectly fine if you want to be someone who's that cold or hard or whatever it is. But I also need to see a variety of different types of uh, female personalities. However, having said that, I do think that she fit that great as Valkyrie. I think that, that um, I ended up really enjoying uh, her, her performance as well. (laughs) In addition to her, uh, her, her fierceness and her spunk, um, I think it's worth noting that I absolutely loved the the hip thrust against the cannon toward the end when she was in her new outfit. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. It was so funny. Like I, I was just kind of watching it, and she just had this little like cute smile, and she this little like kind of <laughs> almost like victory dance. Yeah, she thrust. Yeah, she just a little hip thrust. She's all bam against the cannon. I was like, all right, that's. <laughs> I thought I was the only one to see it. I'm thinking uh, maybe my mind's in the wrong place. I, I, know, I think but. every guy who has seen this movie probably thought the same thing. Like, I, I, I know I'm not. A, was I being dirty? Like, what, <laughs> did I imagine that? No, no, no. I'm here to tell you she did that and it was awesome. Uh, Anthony Hopkins. You can't really tell me. That is correct. I was pleased to see Anthony Hopkins return. I did not expect him to return in this film just because of what went on in, in the uh, the second film. So it was definitely, I mean, it's Anthony Hopkins. We've, we talk about this all, all the time. This guy could, I, I would love for this guy to read me bedtime stories before we go to bed. He just has that kind of voice and pacing. It's just, he could read me like Cat in the Hat. And yeah. I would just be amazed. <laughs> or he could read you Dr. Seuss. <laughs> right. Dr. Seuss. Uh, but they didn't give enough scream time either. I, I want to hear some Anthony Hopkins wisdom, blessing, like, just look at me and say something that I'm going to remember. And he was just more stoic, kind of looking out into the the bright blue yonder. I did appreciate those the moments where Thor had more of a private audience with his father, with Odin again. Just just in those moments of of almost having a out of body experience, I thought that that was cool because it, it once again, to your point, it brought back some additional opportunities for dialogue. That just once again, I could listen to I could listen to Tony all day. <clears throat> so. Another newcomer was Carl Urban, who I thought you were going to be pretty excited to see in the film. Well, you, we were talking the other, uh, a little while ago, and you told me about him being in Lord of the Rings, which I, I totally bombed it. I didn't, I forgot he was in Lord of the Rings, but I remember him being Bones in Star Trek. That's where I saw him from. Oh, okay. So I, I saw him like, oh, that's Bones. Okay, well, cool. He's got a big, like, you know, friggin' mustache and uh-huh. you know, tattoos on his forehead, but... Uh, but I didn't think of the him going, you know, and for uh-huh. two towers until you told me that I went, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I think that kind of bumped up the, uh, the fun factor for you with for this film, just it, to see him yeah. in a different role. I think if you put it, if you put on a helmet with, uh, that, that hair, that was the horse hair, the or horse whatever. Hair, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I would have totally, uh, I don't know, gone to a whole new level. I actually liked Scourge's character arc throughout the film. It was predictable, but I did appreciate seeing um, Carl's acting ability just broadened a bit because he tends to play a lot of the same kind of uh, approaches to his characters. And this one in particular just seemed like it was it was definitely a one-off from, from what he typically does. And so that was cool. It was, but I wanted him to continue how he began in, in, in uh, the first part of the film when he's showing off to those, yeah. those chicks and be like, oh, I got these two guns from a land called Texas. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, yeah, okay, that, that, we'll carry this on. And then the rest of the film, he was like looking around. Oh, I don't know if I should be doing this, but I'm going to go along with it. I don't know if I should be doing this, but I'm going along with it. You know, like what happened to the first, I wanted the first part of him 
to be throughout. And I just didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, they killed him off. I did like how he went out, though, with those M16s. I did yeah. think that that was pretty satisfying to see how alien the M16s looked on Asgard. Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. Love me some Benedict Cumberbatch. He was in the film briefly as Doctor Strange and added a nice variety of superheroes to the film. I think it's worth noting that Marvel has, over time, just produced this wealth of characters that keep getting introduced. And as a result, they're able to kind of pick and choose having certain characters cross over into other films. And I think that that's a wonderful thing to see. I, I actually really do look forward to seeing more of that because we get a chance to actually see, okay, how would this relationship work with this other relationship if they were siloed off? Like instead of being in, in an Avengers scaled movie where you have a ton of superheroes and, and just a very small amount of time to be able to allot to each one of the characters, just being able to, to have that kind of relationship, I think would be really cool, which we saw in Thor Ragnarok in terms of Thor having some one-on-one -on -one time with Dr. Strange. I thought that was great. Not to mention the fact that <laughs> just the him constantly moving Thor around was, was actually, it was pretty amusing in my opinion. Opinione. I liked how he kept on refilling his beer. That was that cool was too. Yeah, all this, yeah, like illusions, but it's stuff that's real. And Thor's like, "Who are you?" And oh my gosh, what's going on? He's like, "I don't drink tea." And all of a sudden, he looks down and it's a big old like pint of beer. Yeah. Let us see here. Um, I also do think it's worth mentioning that Stanley's cameo as the space barber was fun. Always good to see him. Um, this was one of the films that I actually forgot that I should be looking out for Stan Lee. Typically, uh -huh. I'm, I'm pretty good about, okay, I'm going to a Marvel movie. Okay, where is, is Stan Lee going to be? In this particular instance, though, it completely left my mind. So all of a sudden, when he showed up, I was just like, oh, it's it's Stan. Yeah. Uncle Stan. Uncle Stan. Good to see you. Um, yeah, I know. I, I always look forward to seeing him. But I thought his his one line was pretty funny. We're just like, my hands aren't as steady as they used to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Let us move on to... Oh, he's holding a finger up. You cannot forget Taika Watiti. Oh. He was the... the I'm probably messing up his name because I can't... I'm bad with names, but... He was the director, but he was also the voice of uh, Korg or Cog or... Was that Korg. The, was that the rock The rock alien? dude, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Not, not, not bad. I, I've never, I, I don't, not familiar with his work, but uh, as far yeah, as I'm being, not being a, a voice villain guy, I mean, he's not bad for my first time seeing him anyway. Yeah, and his delivery of the lines, I would say, at least half the time, were pretty on point yeah. with, with that particular character. There were some things that was just, eh, kind of fell flat a little yeah. bit. Moving on to the plot. I, for one, appreciated the real consequential plot points that will have a lingering impact on the story moving forward. So whether it was Odin actually dying this time, or at least, you know, we're led to believe that because he turned into a little pixie dust. <laughs> <laughs> Thor losing an eye. Um, <laughs> My eye. Loki uh, maturing as a character. I mean, he definitely um, had a bit more of that maturing process to his character arc. Um, you had Banner losing control of Hulk where, you know, he was talking about if I let the Hulk come back in again, I don't know if, if Bruce Banner will be able to return because Hulk now has 
the both hands on the steering wheel and I feel like Bruce Banner is just locked in the trunk. So we saw that actually inevitably occur. Thor's hammer getting destroyed. That was another big moment where it's like, wow, like that, that will change things forever. The, the destruction of Asgard, the hidden past of Odin and his daughter. I mean, there, there, there were quite a few mm-hmm. different plot points in this film that actually had real weight to them. So it's, it's interesting to, to kind of anal- anal- analogize. Analogize. <laughs> analogize. Um, I think it's interesting to analyze this film on two fronts, just because on the one hand you have these, these different plot points going on, but overall I feel like the film still suffered a bit from being too much on the surface level. There were not enough deep dives going on. So it's weird how like it it just, it's, I have this kind of tug of war going back and forth with, with those items. I do too, Russ. That's also affecting my judgment on the uh, overall rating of the film because I I feel these plot points are very heavy, but they're not given the weight that they should. Yeah, drink it up, buttercup. Uh, So, like, Odin dying, he's a huge character in the Marvel Universe and a powerful character, and they just go, okay, yep, okay, ding, 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 my time is up, bye, you know, fireflies. And then, so, that we're supposed to believe, okay, he's gone. Oh, by the way, before I die, you have a sister, and she's out to kill you, and she's out to kill Asgard. Bye, deal with her yourself. You're like, wait, 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 what, what, what? Hold up, hold up. And then, I don't know, it, it was, when it came to the action, it was, it was, it was heavily weighted. And you had a lot of it going on and it was spectacular and it was cool. But then when you had stuff that's, that says, this is how we're going to move the story forward, they quickly ran over it and more action. Mm-hmm. And I thought, eh, I, 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 I want that depth. And, yeah. I, and I, I just didn't, I didn't receive it. Yeah, and, and I largely agree with you. I think that, that there were some some squandered opportunities there. And to your point, I mean, really, when you think of Hela herself, I wanted to know more of the backstory. Like, they, they kind of sprinkled a little bit yeah. of, of some flashbacks where you see her fighting all the different Valkyries on the horses, and that really piqued my interest. Seeing yeah, that was sure. just like, wow, that is quite the spectacle. And and plus just getting to know more of the relationship between her and Odin, because they clearly had one before Thor was even born. Right. Uh, and that, and that also brings up a good point. Um, but what I wanted to see with her is we all were told that she's evil and whatever, but I wanted to see, her not just wanting to come into Asgard and destroy everything and destroy everybody because she's evil. I wanted her to give more, more of a choice and show that she could have another side to her saying, uh, you know, this is what I want. This is how things are going to be. If you don't, if you don't like it, you can either leave or if you resist, I can just slaughter you all right now. But she just kind of came in and said, Neil, everyone's going, who are you? She's like, Neil, I'm here. I'm bad. I'm, you know, and then I don't know. And then Asgard got destroyed. I think they kind of did that when she initially arrived at Asgard. Yeah, she gave like one speech and then that was it. But she only gave it to the military. I mean, everyone else was running for their lives. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting how they they didn't continue to progress investigating that that aspect to her character. Because I do think that there is more to her. I, I think that you run the risk of becoming too much of a, a one dimensional villain. If it's just, Oh, I'm bad and let's move forward. I I think that there needs to be more there. And I think that they were skirting around the opportunity to be able to, to flesh her out a bit more, but they just didn't fully commit. Unfortunately. Exactly. 
about Loki, uh, another plot point is that you were talking about is, is him deciding that he's going to do some good deeds finally in the fourth film uh-huh. that he's in. Uh, and then there's the elevator scene, which was, I, I thought was, was very special. Mm-hmm. And you have the two brothers in there, two brothers, brothers, bros. And Thor has Armanos. A, a big heart, and he's basically he's looking at Loki, and they have this conversation of, okay, you've been trying to screw me over for ever since uh, I inherited the kingdom, and every time I see you, I can't trust you, and you're basically the problem. Mm-hmm. And Loki look pretty much is expressing to him like, yep, I'm the problem. And it sucks to hear you say it, but yep, golly gee shucks. And oh, well, like that's who I am. Uh, but at the same time, like, what am I, why am I doing what I'm doing? And then sure enough, they get off the elevator and, and they do that little, uh, you know, that skit help thing to, to, uh-huh. yeah. And then <laughs> that was good too. Yeah. And then for sure, Loki, you know, right then, okay, I'm trying to deceive you and trying to bring you back to the Grandmaster and, and Thor calls him on it and, you know, does his own thing. But I thought, dude, like, really? So, oh, oh you know what? No, I don't know. I, I was thinking, I, I was thinking, Russ, it doesn't happen often. <laughs> Do you think they're going to kill him off? Loki? Yes. Because he's now deciding to be good, sort of. From what we can tell, even though like, you know, he's had some scenes where he was tempted, like he wandering through the Asgard. He's yawning. He's yawning. I thought you were going to go right in the microphone. my ear. <laughs> oh, there it goes. Yeah. Uh, I could hear again. We saw scenes where Loki was tempted to do stuff and he had to choose between good and evil. And towards the end, he's like, you know, I'm not going to be welcome on Earth. And I don't know if I should even go back to Earth because they all hate me. I mean, you know, he was the reason for the Avengers one battle. Mm hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I kind of think that he's gonna he's gonna be really torn in two. Where and the next film he's gonna be in, he's either either gonna kill him off because he now has this change of conscience, or he's just gonna be like bad and for and forever bad and never gonna like change sides. That's very Game of Thrones of you to think that way. Mm. That is what they are all about on Got. <laughs> <laughs> you either got it or you don't. I appreciated the real consequential plot um, points between um, Thor and Hulk in terms of their their ongoing relationship. Uh, These two guys, these two guys, they have really been a blast to watch. Ever since I saw them get paired up in Avengers, where they started having that bit of a WWF style brawl through the helicarrier. I've really just enjoyed just watching this kind of one-upmanship between the two. Like they obviously like each other, but they're also kind of competing to see who's the strongest Avenger. Right. And I liked how they, they played in with that. But I also too, I, again, this, this goes back to what I mentioned earlier about how due to the wealth of Marvel characters that have been introduced into these Marvel movies, I think it's fantastic that we actually got to see just Thor and Bruce Banner have this kind of standalone siloed movie where we get to see just what are the relationship dynamics between these two? Well, it brings up the point between, or not really between, but it brings up the point with, with Hulk and Bruce Banner of him controlling Hulk and not being able to control Hulk. Because every time we ever seen Hulk on screen, he's angry and jumping around and roaring and spitting and kicking and (laughs) whatever. So, uh, but this time he's like joking around and, and uh, having an intellectual conversation as well as Hulk can. Yeah. Um, being calm and not being all rageful and angry. Yeah. So it's a completely different side of Hulk. And then um, 
he changes back into Bruce Banner and they have this conversation. And I, I don't know, for some reason, I think, I think Bruce is trying to deceive everybody to leave everybody in question of, can we tame the Hulk and can we not tame the Hulk? Uh-huh. Because he can, even with the la- that, that scene where he goes, you, you think you know me? Well, you have to find out or whatever. And he jumps out of the, out of the ship and then yeah. like lands blah, on, on the bridge. <laughs> so funny. You know, um, I mean, he knew he was going to change in the Hulk and he wasn't pissed off and angry. So he could change it on will. So I don't know if it was truth where he says, oh, you know, if I change back to the Hulk, I don't know what's going to happen. Or if it was him just trying to make sure everyone's going to be on their toes of, are we going to get the intellectual Bruce Banner? Are we going to get the raging Hulk? Or who are we going to get this time? And do we just have to kiss Bruce uh, Banner's butt all the time so he doesn't change into the Hulk? No, I think that that was actually legit. I think that he was really concerned just because the Hulk had taken control for the last pre previous two years and have Bruce Banner finally come to the forefront again and just not be aware of where he was, what had transpired, anything like that. I think that he was deeply concerned about allowing the Hulk to come back through just because it seems like, um, the, the Bruce Banner side was diminishing. And Hulk was really starting to take over. I mean, I, I for one, really like that line where, where he said that the Hulk has the keys to the car and driving with both hands on the steering wheel. He said, normally, we each have a hand on the steering wheel, but I felt like Bruce Banner was locked away in the oh, trunk. trunk. yeah. You know, I thought that was a great um, line, just just visually speaking. My, my, my brain was like, yeah, that sounds like that's, that's a problem. Well, we could see him in other movies coming up where uh, he's going to have to go under some, some treatment to make sure he is in, in more control or else we've just kissed Bruce Banner goodbye and we're just going to deal with Hulk from now on. Right. Some of the things that come to mind in terms of, I think, um, the flaws of the plot for this film is I felt they spent too long on the alien junkyard planet. There wasn't enough meaty substance examples or, or instances to keep them there, but I feel like they, they, they spent too long there. I did like the planet. I did think that was fun. I did like the Grandmaster and that sort of thing, but it, I felt like they probably could have cut that entire stay at the planet by 50% and then reallocated that time toward perhaps talking about Hela and just her backstory because, once again, she really was not in the film very much. And... I, for one, really wanted to, to spend more time fleshing her character out, but all we really got was her staring at the hidden ceiling. You know, she threw her swords up there and caused, like, the the fake veneer to fall down, and all of a sudden we realized, oh, there's a whole other mosaic that's up there that tells a story that's very different than what we have seen in the past. What do you think? Yeah, I, I hear that, it, but it just goes back to what other history do we not know? And does Thor not know about his father or previous uh, yeah. battles from Asgard? Um, I don't know. I, I yeah. do like how there, there are like these skeletons in the closet or, or hidden twisted backstories and stuff that remain hidden. I mean, it, it makes for an interesting moving going experience. I think that that stuff is great. And as a result, I want to see more of that. And I just, I don't know. I think that it was, they could have done a bit more. Yeah. You know what would have been cool is uh, if uh, Hela came in while Thor was sitting in uh, on the throne and he had his father's staff. Uh-huh. And Thor was either somehow A, to channel uh, his father's power through the staff to her. Mm-hmm. Because like, and, and, and Thor too, when Odin came out, 
when that one they were getting attacked, just went and like shockwaved everybody out on the ground. Uh, I either wanted to see something like that, or I wanted to see Thor do his own spin on it and use it as like a lightning rod, like pin her to the ground and be like, well, that went awesome. I think what you're looking for is the word Shazam. Shazam! is a uh, part of the DC universe. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, impossible. And I also wanted to see a longer Coliseum scene where if we could have taken some bits of them kind of hanging out on, on that planet uh-huh. and then put it more in the Coliseum where... Uh, that scene where Thor goes, hey, he's your friend from work. You know, that whole entire reveal in the trailer, which uh-huh. I wish they wouldn't even have it even done because I'm going to go on tangents here, Russ, but I got I to gotta, I gotta say it. The, the scene with, uh, what's the what's the magic dude's name? Doctor Strange? Doctor Strange. We didn't know Doctor Strange was going to be in it. And once we saw him, we're like, oh, this is awesome. And they brought yeah. another guy. So they could have shown that scene with Hulk uh, on the trailer, but left Hulk completely out. And then once we saw him in the movie, that would have been completely more rich than just to reveal it in the, in the trailer. Like they didn't have, they don't have to sell Thor number three. I mean, come on. Everyone's on the Marvel bandwagon, especially the ladies, especially the ladies. But if they continue the Coliseum scene where he had to fight some baddies by himself without his hammer, and then he's just totally beaten downtrodden. And then it's like, Oh, the champion. And then he Hulk busts through. And then he goes, yeah, I think that would have been better. One of my favorite scenes is when Black Widow appears on the screen and it's exactly what Hulk needs in order to return to Bruce Banner. And I thought that that was, that actually, I don't know. It, it, uh, it's very male of him. Yeah. I, I would calm down too if I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, just, I think, I think the, the way they executed that scene was great. I really did like how they were able to just briefly bring in Black Widow and just, the expression, really, the, my hat goes off to the the animators who did the CG work for the Hulk because just watching his facial reaction to seeing her again, I thought was just great. And I love too how he was desperately trying to maintain his Hulkness. If you noticed, he was hitting himself and like slamming himself against the the ship walls and stuff in an attempt to try and, and re, you know just remain in control. And ultimately just you know, subside back into to Bruce Banner, but still pretty cool. Let me see here. What other stuff do I have in my notes for plot? Um, I think that due to Hela being one of the most memorable villains in the MCU, I thought it was a bit of a pity that she died, or at least we were made to believe that she died. I don't think she died. I, for one, hope to see her again in the future. I, I really hope it doesn't turn into like a Darth Maul situation where, you know, like in episode one, you know, we see that this amazing villain who everybody thinks is just tremendously badass, but then he gets killed off at, at the end and he really only has maybe about 15 minutes of screen time. And, and that could have really continued on into the the rest of the, the prequel trilogy. But no, we're just going to off him. And it's just like... So instead, we get Count Dooku. Yeah, Count really. Doo Doo. Yeah, was he the coughing guy? Wh- wh- no. Wh- which who was the character? I think it was in episode two where he uh, he was like a robot with like a human brain or something like that. Yeah, and he had like the spinning uh, hands with the with the lightsabers. Oh man, uh, he was always coughing. <sighs> oh, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh man, we have to. You know, you killed off Darth Maul for this guy. Are you kidding me? Uh, I, you know, it's really funny. I should know the name of that character and you know what here we are going to my encyclopedia. I know normally I have all of your star Wars answers good to go, but that character clearly has not made a lasting impression on me. 
Let me take a little look here real quick. I'm going to MDib it just for you, Steve. Oh, nice, Ron. Let's see a little Star Wars episode. You know, while you're doing that, I am going to go back into uh, Thor for a second. The, the thunder aspect of Thor. I think if they didn't do the, the him channeling his lightning and thunder in this movie, it would have kind of fell flat. Because, yeah, he was funnier in this one, you know, whatever. But at the same time, Thor is the god of thunder. And we haven't hardly seen any thunder going on for two movies, plus the Avengers movies. So if they didn't do it in this one, uh, I think it would have would have lost a lot of points. Yeah. I'm still looking, by the way. Oh, sparkles? Yeah. Oh, seeing sparkles come over his hands? I he said he was the Lord of Thunder. Uh, god of Thunder. Oh, God of Thunder. Yeah, okay. <laughs> nice to meet you, champion. I'm Jeff Goldblum. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> It's there are uh, dinosaurs on this tour. Uh, I'm not mistaken. This is a uh, uh, brontosaurus, and the the uh, triceratops has has three horns. Uh, hence the Latin word for try. I really hate that man. <laughs> well, I don't know what oh, that character's name is, but everyone who's listening probably knows exactly who you are talking to the or talking about. Excuse yelling me. at you right now. Yeah, they're they're all screaming at the the radio or their phone. It's this. Oh yeah, that's right. Anyway, getting back to Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I would like to have seen more depth to the destruction of Asgard. I think that they keep talking about. Oh well, the, there's going to be destruction brought upon. Asgard itself, but what does that mean exactly? Why is there this reckoning that's coming and whatnot? They really didn't go into that. It was just, it's kind of the same issue I have with Game of Thrones where winter is coming. Well, can we divulge a bit yeah. more into why the freaking winter is coming? <laughs> yeah. We've been on like seven <laughs> seasons and it's like, oh, we got some people who are made of ice who are coming and that's yeah. about it. Ice zombies. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, winter comes every year. What are you talking about? I know winter's coming. Yeah. <laughs> It comes every year. I mean, it's a seasonal thing. Yeah, am I smarter than you? <laughs> <laughs> We've now offended like the entire <laughs> fan base of Game uh, of Thrones. No. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Got winter. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Easter egg at the end made me wonder who was in that gargantuan ship. Who do you think might that ship belong to, Steve? Thanos. Thanos. You heard it right here. He thinks it's Thanos. Unless we got some other sci-fi villain out there that uh, we hit, Marvel has yet to introduce. I don't read Thor comics, so if any of you listeners know the answer to this, please let us know on social media like Twitter or Facebook or whatever. I mean, we're on everything. Well, I'm actually really curious to hear what you guys think um, that shit belongs to well, or who that shit belongs to. What was interesting is with the Easter eggs at the end of the films, it kind of is a precursor to the next movie that's going to come out, whatever Marvel movie it's going to be. Uh -huh. And it wasn't another you know, it wasn't going to be uh, a Captain America. It, it looked like it was going to be another um, uh, Thor or Avengers movie. Yeah. Because they were going towards Earth and all the rest of the Avengers are on Earth. And uh, they and Loki and Thor were both in their little cargo ship and it wasn't anybody else. There was no Iron Man. There was no Captain America. They were not talking to anybody else on, on Earth. It was just them. And here comes Mama Ship. I have got to say, I am supremely excited for Avengers Infinity War. Hmm. Do you know who all is going to be in that movie? A ton of people. There's going to be like 30 people in that movie. 
Like, do, are you aware that not only will the Avengers be in there, yes. Guardians of the Galaxy will be in yes. there? Yes. Okay, just want to make sure. I, I realize Spider Man's going to be there. Yes. Okay. Okay. Just want to make sure. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait. As a fellow comic book nerd, I absolutely have been waiting for this moment for <laughs> this particular story to be told on the silver screen. It's and the fact that they are expanding it to two parts. There's gonna be part one and part two. So it's gonna be just this huge joygasm on uh, on screen. There, it's just. <sighs> I hope they up the resolution a bit, though, for that movie. They got to go all out. I mean, they're they're slowly interweaving all these threads in this one colossal movie, and they I think they need to kind of bump the resolution up a little bit because what do you mean resolution? Because well, I don't know if it's resolution resolution or I'm using the wrong word, but films like Thor, when we see Thor on screen and Hulk on screen and wherever they are, it it reeks of green screen, and so mm. they they, they need you're, to you're blend. Tra- you're what, talking about production value. Oh, okay, fine. Production yeah, production value. value. So like in the Avengers films, they have much larger budgets. Well, because they, they know those are like the crown jewels in the Marvel crown of films. Freaking but when it comes better. to the, the, the one-offs, the, the spin-offs, or, or just the, the crossovers, those tend to have smaller budgets. And as a result, yeah, you can tell certain things are a bit more green screened-ish. But it's just been that way for a long time, even beyond the Marvel films. I just want to see a big blockbuster movie like this blend the CG with uh, the real life graphics. I think that is one of the the challenges, technically speaking, is that as cameras continue to improve Mm -hmm. and the resolution gets higher because they are using like 4K cameras, 5K cameras, you know, when you, when you use like red cameras, for instance, those are incredibly high resolution. And the deal is, is that back in the day, you could actually get away with a lot more cheaper methods of creating like sets and costumes and special effects because the picture quality was so poor. Now, as the picture quality has improved, it's becoming increasingly more difficult to be able to hide all of the blemishes. In fact, like if you were to watch The Wizard of Oz in Blu-ray, not even 4K, but just Blu-ray, that is such a cheap looking movie. If you look at everything in there, you can see where the actors are hiding. You can see how all of the, the, the plant life and, and all the different uh, props and stuff are totally shiny plastic. I mean, it is just as cheap as can be. However, back in the day, because the resolution was so about, like poor, you could get away with doing that, that type of approach and it looked fine. So it's, it's, yeah, I think to your point, I totally know what you're talking about because there are certain scenes that I, you know, like for Thor Ragnarok, there were a couple in there. I was like, whoa, yeah, that definitely screams green screen right there. And so it's going to be a unique challenge for them to be able to spend a little more TLC just blending those scenes together. Yeah. Moving right along into script slash dialogue. The strength of the script was its humor. And I know that you were not a, a, a particular fan of this, but I was. Apparently, the director encouraged the actors to ad-lib, and you can tell they were having fun throughout the movie. The funniest scenes for me personally included Loki screaming, the, I've been falling for the last 30 minutes! I mean, just the whole notion that, that he had been falling once Doctor Strange had created that warp, and he was just falling continuously while Thor was trying to figure out who Doctor Strange was. And then, I mean, Tom's delivery on that was just sublime. It was just, I mean, I, I think I was embarrassing Steve and my wife in the film or not in the film, in the theater during that we scene. were in the movie too. Yeah. <laughs> we were extras. 
know, survive by this little hairs on a chinny chin chin. No, but still, like, like just I was laughing. I mean, the whole scene had ended. We were on the whole no- next scene. I was still just crying. I was laughing so hard because it was such a Looney Tunes setup. But anyway, I- I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of that kind of humor. Uh, but yeah, in addition to that, Hulk swinging Thor around like a rag doll and Loki getting up and, uh, you know. <laughs> now you know how that feels. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and there's another um, sequence too where Loki got hit in the head with a prop by Thor to make sure he was really sitting there as opposed to being a hologram. Just, just I don't know. I've always been a fan of that kind of slapstick stuff. I also think too what I think is so funny about it is a lot of, of the humor in there. It's almost like brother sibling humor if you think about it. I mean, just, just kind of the, I could kind of see some of those things happening with us. Yeah, it, 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 I can too, but it just didn't fit for me at, at all. I mean, there are scenes where like. Uh, Thor's looking at Valkyrie and explaining about arranging the team. He's like, because that's what heroes do. I'm like, are you kidding? Ugh, eye roll. You know, and then you got his father dying and Thor losing an eye and, you know, not trying, trying to trust his brother in a way and his whole entire childhood home life being destroyed. And he's just like, cracking jokes left and right. Blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't know. And it was, <laughs> it was predictable jokes too. I, I did. It, to me, it didn't fit, but I'm glad everybody had a good time with it. I also loved how Thor attempted to calm Hulk down using the same uh, kind of hand gesture and dialogue as Black yeah. Widow, but in the end, it clearly did not work out the same way. I mean, <laughs> Hulk was just kind of faking it and just totally just gave him a knuckle sandwich across yeah. the, the arena there. That was pretty good, too. But I think overall, in terms of the script... It reminded me a lot of the approach that Guardians of the Galaxy takes. And I think that largely it was successful for this film just because there is kind of an echo to Guardians of the Galaxy in the sense that the entire film of, well, not the entire film, I would say 95% of the films, they were on Earth really briefly. Um, It was on these alien planets, whether it was Asgard or it was on um, whatever the, the junkyard planet was for Grandmaster. Um, and I think that that in a way, for some reason that, that does work. And I think that they also kind of copy the formula a bit where like you would have some of the more heavier moments such as, um, Odin passing away or just like, like the executioner being conflicted about hacking off the head of one of the, the female citizens of Asgard, that sort of thing. It was very much the the same kind of formula as what they used in guardians. But I think in Thor's case, I think it was a welcome addition to see that. I, I for one really enjoyed it. I just, I expect it more from guardians of the galaxy. You know, it's going to be funny walking in and you don't know how they're going to make you laugh. And when I, I, I just when I think of Thor, I just don't think of a comedic character. I think it's a nice change. I just think too much of it was was uh, kind of unsophisticated, thrown in there, kind of too too slapstick, talking about the obvious, and it, it just wasn't funny. Yeah. Going on to cinematography here, um, the movie is definitely a comic book brought to life. We talked about this briefly earlier about the colors. I think the whole neon color approach was the right approach to take. I think the cinematography made a spectacle out of each scene with um, those those bright neon colors. I mean, it didn't matter if they were inside Grandmaster's uh, big tower or if they were in the um, the junkyard area. Just everybody um, and everything just had just this this wonderful arrangement of of color and whatnot. The framing in terms of the the camera work 
I felt like it was kind of standard fare. I, I didn't like it, it, one of the best films for cinematography of this year was Blade Runner 2049. And that was um, certainly a film that had just these terrific approaches to framing each shot. And I think I'm, I'm using that as an example for this. I wasn't too much of a fan of the cinematography. I thought it was, I, I thought they left a lot of opportunities that could have made it better. Uh, yes, it was colorful with the colors they did use, but I think a lot of it just kind of fell flat. Um, I wanted to see more on location stuff with Asgard and we did, and we just kind of saw some little town scenes every once in a while, maybe some forest here and there. Um, when they went back into the history a bit, you saw these paintings with that war with Hela and the Valkyries and it looked incredible with, with their, their winged horses. And You look incredible with your winged horse. I know. I, I, you know. Would you make a painting of me on a winged horse, Russ? Sure. Awesome. With Thor's hammer. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so I wanted to see more of that happen. Uh, I wanted to see the Valkyries come out of nowhere and and join the battle and I wanted to see some real cool scenes uh with uh uh Hemdall because he's he's one of my favorites in this universe mm-hmm. and we just kind of stall standard fare with a lot of it. I just wanted more. So from the cinematography you wanted more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think let me let me think about this. There were a few different shots through the film that I thought were, were, were actually really cool. Like I thought the, um, no. the Thor's hammer POV shots as it flew around, taking out baddies, um, was super cool. Like, I think that was toward the beginning of the film where like he's throwing that hammer around and, and within that kind of volcano pit or whatever, mm-hmm. that was extremely gratifying because I had always secretly wondered what it would be like to like attach a camera to the hammer and have it go through. I mean, that, that was, that was really cool. It's kind of matrix, matrixy, a little bit, little a little bit, yeah. Too, yeah. Um, and the scenes of Thor flying through the air as the dragon creature was trying to eat him—that was also kind of toward the beginning too. There were a lot of scenes where they were pretty far away, so you got more of the the silhouettes of of uh, Thor and, and that dragon creature. But also too, they had certain shots that were kind of at a worm's eye view and were just—they're kind of panning as Thor was flying through the air, and just just that combined with um, some of the the background and mid-ground elements being blacked out and silhouetted, so to speak, along with the characters too, it really did feel like certain panels straight out of a comic book. Hey. <laughs> Steve is very unimpressed over here, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of the framing, um, though, just just to your point, was standard fare. I mean, there, there was not um, a lot of creative visual storytelling elements that were employed. Um, I do think it's worth mentioning. I know this is not exactly cinematography, but but just the fact that the CG, I think, was decent for the most part overall. There were a, fir- a few scenes that were weak, but I think overall it was good. I mean, of course, the scenes with Hulk were just awesome. They're, they always are. They're just amazing. And the wolf, that huge wolf was really cool. Even with, with Hela's little morph that she does where her hair goes away and that she has cool. that yeah. really crazy, ornate uh, war helmet of hers. I thought that was that was pretty sweet. Let us move on to the soundtrack. Ah! <laughs> I always forget who s- it's not Van Halen. Who sings that? That's Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Thank you very much. I was thinking Tom Petty. No. Van Halen? No. Tom Petty. Because <laughs> I'm free. 
free falling. I think you have sang that particular lyric on Joygasm <laughs> at least five different times in five different episodes. Um, anyway, the soundtrack did the job it was supposed to, but I don't think it stood out as being particularly memorable. I did appreciate the fact that they took more of a 1980s style. I mean, the whole presentation of this film, whether it was the trailer with like the, the 1980s graphics, like font, yeah, yeah. the font coming in and it's all like, has like, like multiple clones of itself as it comes in or retro the, uh, um, the soundtrack itself, even some of the colors. Um, yeah, you could tell that that they were pulling pretty heavily from uh, the eighties, which is, I mean, it's not a bad thing. I, I, it's, it's weird to think about this, but once again, Films such as Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor, just the, these films that are absolutely alien in their their visual spectacle. For some reason, the eighties just really works. Yeah, I or, don't get it. Or the seventies too. Yeah, kind of late seventies, <laughs> early eighties, somewhere right, right, like right around there. It's just it's funny how it just fits perfectly. I wanted to hear some more like eighties metal though in it. Because metal, 80s metal back in the day is more like just regular rock and roll. To like here's now. some ACDC Thunderstruck. It's something. That, yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. You, yeah. hit, you hit the nail on the head with the hammer. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, let, I love Immigrant Song, but I think it's more of a go-to song that they could pull from. And I think it wasn't in there almost every little bit of music in the film would have been forgettable. And so they, they used it twice and it gave me goosebumps twice, but I wish they would have used it only once either for the trailer and that was it or for uh, the last scene only. I did really enjoy immigrant when um, Thor all of a sudden realized he had the, the, the power of Odin, just, just uh, all the thunder and stuff. And he was starting to, to really kick some ass. Yeah. Uh, just just seeing that slow motion, especially with him kind of leaping down toward that that Bifrost bridge, with all like the slow motion of, of the arcing of the the lightning, is like yeah, Ooh, that's nice. <laughs> I think Zeppelin also uh, was uh, into uh, that kind of mythology and the Thor character because if you listen to like every little, not every little song, I shouldn't say that, but a lot of their music has this reference to either. Thor or like even Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. They, they mentioned like the Misty Mountains and yeah. Gollum in a couple of their songs. So yeah. Anyhow. I feel like they need to have more of an emphasis on signature themes for the various characters in Thor. And this is been, this has been a problem of the Thor trilogy up to this point is that th there are no recognizable character themes. And one of the, the absolute go-tos is Star Wars. You know, you have Yoda's theme, you have Leia's theme, you have Luke's theme, you have, you have Obi-Wan Kenobi's theme, you have the Star Wars theme. There are just all of these different types of arrangements that John Williams has made that anyone who listens to it, they're like, oh yeah, that's, that's so-and-so, or that's, that's that part of the movie. And I feel like in Thor, don't forget Superman and Batman. Oh, absolutely. I mean, th those are, those are other examples. I think too, just if you were to look at the various comic book movies that have been made, there have been a handful of wonderful success stories with regards to having those, those signature marching theme songs, whether it's Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman, that sort of thing. But with Thor, I just feel like like they need to have they need to have a Thor theme, they need to have a Jane theme, they need to have a Hela theme, 
just 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 moving through this. And, and of course, the music that was there, I mean, they it did the job it was supposed to do. It wasn't like it was bad music, but it also wasn't music that that caused me to just all of a sudden rant about it in, in a good way and, and feel compelled to go to iTunes to download it, to buy it. Did you have any thoughts on what Negative. I'm talking about? Negative Ghostwriter. Hmm. I mean, I, well... I will say that that's, I'm sure that's going to be very, very difficult. And that's probably why they don't do it in very many movies at all, period, because it's costs a lot more money and that's difficult to do. To think of a theme for the personification of certain individuals. Sure. Costumes. Uh-huh. I thought that the, uh, the costumes were gorgeous. What do you think? Yeah, I would have to pick and choose on those. Uh, Valkyrie definitely had the best new outfit. That second outfit I thought looked terrific. The second outfit, yes. Although when I went back to look at it, like on on Google and and YouTube and stuff, I thought they could have made it a little bit better. Uh, And I don't really know how they could make it better. Maybe some sort of elegance or more finesse or more like aggressive fighting-ish. I don't know. When I looked at it again, I thought that it didn't look like a fighting outfit. Oh, see, I disagree. I thought it did. I, especially when with her in it, I felt that that just she wore that like a glove. I think that that was very much a perfect match for the persona that her character exhibited and just also the way it looked as she was fighting. I think the problem, too, was that we didn't see her fighting enough in the film. I Probably, think that yeah. we saw her kind of hiding behind Thor a lot. You know, she it, it, well, it's actually now that I say that. Most of, of the brawling or fighting that we saw with her w- was just directly with Thor. It was it was like when they were butting heads, but really when, when push came to shove, we really didn't see her kind of letting loose and, and doing Stand that. Stand out. I think that um, had they done that, we would have seen some cool romanticized slow motion shots of her just, you know, using whatever weapon that she's using and seeing the wind billowing out her cape and mm, just all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, possibly. But as it was, I, it didn't do much. I remember that you mentioned something about how it seems that in all these different sci-fi movies, everyone seems to be wearing robes. Yeah, they pay attention to to the main people for sure, but it seems like the rest of the culture is just the the, the safe idea of robage, <laughs> earth you know earth tone robage, and that's what everybody wears in outer space. Although this one was not. Um, earth tone. There was definitely a kaleidoscope of yeah, color. They really right. did a good job picking out the, the, once again, it goes back to that whole neon color. Like every, I mean, just every shot we saw, we're just like, wow, that is, that is some saturated color there, which is, it was cool. Yeah. Well, the people in Asgard, not, I didn't think they were really, there was a plethora of color. I thought more like on the, uh, the, I don't know if that was Hulk planet or junk planet or whatever that was called. Grand Junkyard Masters planet. planet. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it was. Uh, the scavengers looked really cool. Uh, that's where there was, I think, more variety and color and imagination. You know, I have to back up a little bit. One of the other lines I thought was really funny because we're talking about you, you were talking about the junkyard planet is I loved how they were um, making those references to the devil's anus. Uh, <laughs> it was so good uh, too, just the I way they were going it. through that. Or, yeah, I mean, even kind of a, a one-two of, of the script and the wardrobe. I thought it was great when Bruce Banner had to wear some of Tony Stark's clothes and just how he was constantly pulling at the crotch. Like, man, Tony wears these pants so tight. Like just, I don't know, just little, little touches like that I thought <laughs> were, were personally pretty satisfying. They're pretty funny. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Old man Perkins over here. 
Well, I, I, I can't. I knew they were going to mention something about the, when they said, "Okay, I have to go into the biggest hole." And the red, I'm like, they're going to, they're going to say something juvenile, and they're going to say something that's like, you know, scrotum butthole, like anything was, you know, whatever. And sure enough, it's the devil's anus. I'm like, oh gosh, I knew it, I knew it. And but see, how would you know? Like, I didn't think of that when I was looking I at did. it. I'm, I did. Well, you know, you know why? Something. Because you're a dirty man. That's, <laughs> that's probably why. All you like to do is uh, think about anus. Probably. Red. No. Anus. No, okay. <laughs> uh, let's see here. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like a butt. Set anus. <laughs> well, let us transition into Thor Ragnarok trivia, courtesy of IMDb. Are you ready for this, Steve? I, I hope you're excited because we have amassed quite a few of the juicy morsels as mm-hmm. well. Mm. I expect to hear some reaction. Mm. Mm. Nah. I'll, I'll, I'll grunt and uh, and uh, chirp of my end. Chirp of my... What? I'll grunt and chirp on my end. Over oh. here, my <laughs> end of the table. Over here, I'm like sitting across from you. I thought you said Mayan, like Aztec or Mayan. I'm like... Oh, that too. Yeah. Okay. Mayan style. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to do some blood sacrifices yeah. while I, I dish out the trivia? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I have lots of cultures in my blood, Russ. Uh-huh. Mm. I'll tell you what, from the bottom of my chest mm. to the uh, top of my intestines. <laughs> to where, Russ? <laughs> <laughs> that particular area is multicultural. Mm. Okay, starting off, Thor's friend from work line about the Hulk was suggested to Chris Hemsworth by a Make-A-Wish child who paid a visit to the set on the day the scene was filmed. I think that is fabulous. That is seriously one of the best lines in the entire film. They used it aggressively in the trailers. I I just, the fact that it came from a kid from the Make-A-Wish Foundation, I think that that was terrific. I think it's funny how they have these high-paid scriptwriters to write these movies, and then some random kid comes in and goes, you should say this. And then they go, whoa, the kid is a brilliant. Let's put that in the movie. I'm telling you, I mean, the writers themselves are tremendously (laughs) talented, but it it is amazing how some of the most memorable scenes in movies actually are are just ad-libbed. Spur of the moment. Spur of the moment, or... They're, they come from folks who don't make a career out of it, but for some reason, it's just like they. Yeah, I could just totally see the whole crew look at them going, "That is brilliant," and then look back at the scriptwriter going, "How much are we paying you? <laughs> <laughs> Get that kid out of here!" <laughs> the Grandmaster's Tower features statues of his champions, who are the Greek god Ares, yes. the alien being Beta Ray Bill, mm. the supernatural entity Man Thing. Mm. And the android monster, the Bi-Beast. Android. Uh, it's interesting that they, they put uh, the Ray Bill character on there because I believe in the comic, he at some point either gets Thor's hammer or gets a replica of the hammer or whatever, but he in, in, in turn channels Thor's power into himself and he's just as strong as Thor. Really? Nah. So I might, you know, they might come in at some point, Russ. Interessante. of the dialogue in the film was improvised in order to create a very loose and collaborative mood among the cast. Once again, I think that that speaks very highly to the fact that the script is really the superhero of this show. I think that personally, uh, the the, the various types of uh, quips and 
humorous dialogue, the the chemistry of the characters. I mean, you could just tell the actors were having fun while they were doing this. I'll give you that. Yeah. Kate Blanchett accepted a role in this movie to please her children who are Marvel Comics fans. Blanchett's eldest son, Dashiel John Upton, suggested she take the role of Hela, saying it'd be a career boost. And I must say, Dashiel, um, way to go. I'm glad that Kate Blanchett was in there. <laughs> and I hope to see more of her in the future. Um, way to go. <gasps> High five. <laughs> Fist bump. In Norse mythology, Ragnarok is translated as, quote, Twilight of the Gods. The myth tells of the eventual destruction of the universe and mankind, as well as the deaths of several key figures in Norse mythology, such as the gods Odin, Thor, Loki, Hymdal, Freyr, Sol, and Tyr, and the monsters, a.k.a. Jotun, Fenrir, and... This is a big one. It's like, yeah, it's like Hormungandr. I'm not sure if I said that correctly. Uh, not to be confused with he bitch man whore. Um, a new generation, a new generation of gods, the children of Odin, Thor and soul specifically will take the place of the old ones as the cycle of the world starts anew. I thought that was worth mentioning just because I was curious if Ragnarok the word was just made up or if it actually had some sort of significance and lo and behold, no surprise here. There is significance to that word. First time I heard Ragnarok was in final fantasy. And I thought, nah, did they make it up or they get it from somewhere? The song heard in the first trailer is as Steve very acutely pointed out Zeppelin's immigrant song. It was specifically chosen because its lyrics make mention of Norse religion, which kind of piggybacks on what you mentioned earlier. Hella, hella. I actually wish I had the lyrics in front of me because I would be singing it right about now, but I'll, I'll, I'll hold back, Russ. Yeah, he will spare our <laughs> eardrums on that one. <laughs> I wish I had it. Um, hella is the first main villain in a Marvel Cinematic Universe film to be female. So, yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, woo Anyway. Yeah. No, it is good. It, it is nice to, to vary things up with that. It's good to, to see some, some women we love to hate, some women characters. Tessa Thompson based her performance as Valkyrie on Sarah Connor from Terminator 2, which I could totally see. I think that there was definite inspiration from that. Although uh, Tessa Thompson's hotter. I'm just going to say that right now. Very much so. Tessa. You you, you, you you can hip thrust against the, uh, the cannon anytime. You could be my Valkyrie any day. <laughs> Moving right along, uh, Chris Hemsworth had to bulk up again for his role as the mighty god Thor. He had to follow a strict diet and work out six to seven times a week and eat around 6,000 calories per day. Steve, how many calories... Do you eat, seeing as you being the uh, um, the meathead of the dynamic duo? Five, five calories a day, Ross. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys? A drink of water? Yeah. I'm hungry. Oh, careful! <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had all the money in the world so I could just go to the gym every single day and work out and see my body change and become more and more sexy by the hour. But uh, yeah, no, you can't do that. Do you ever see people like just constantly check themselves out in the mirror? Like, yeah, they'll do a rep and then all of a sudden they walk in and they're like, oh, yeah, 
Not, oh, I'm hot. No, uh, actually, more so in California than here. I when I was going to the gym, I, I I don't socialize. I don't talk to anybody. I don't care how I look. I just go in there and do my business. And I'll look around, and kind of people watch for a little bit. And yeah, some not everybody, and it it will, I'll say about ten percent. But at the ten percent are really out there, like flamboyant style. I mean. Like talk about Hulk Hogan kissing his muscle in front of the bicep, uh-huh. or people like you know doing reps. One, two. I'm thinking I can hear him. I'm all the way across the gym. Like uh-huh. oh my gosh, can't you just like breathe and count in your mind? You're really excited to man pump some iron. I'm not kidding. This is the first film that Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum have appeared in together since Jurassic Park of 1993. Do you know who Sam Neill was, Steve? You know, I didn't at the moment, but then you reminded me that he uh, he came in during that little theater performance in the beginning. That he was indeed. Do you remember which character he was playing as? Uh, Odin. Very good. <laughs> you uh, you get a Snickers bar. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> On Earth, Can I have Thor. Kit Kat too. I want a Kit Kat. Oh, here you go. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. I want one. Thank you. I'm going to uh, <clears throat> I'm going to open one up for myself. There. Oh man, tasty chocolatey, cheap oh, sugar goodness. So good. None that why say the next one here. On Earth, Thor disguises his hammer as an umbrella. In the comics, whenever the t- Thor took on the mortal form of Doctor Donald Blake, he disguised his hammer as a walking stick. Pretty close. Hmm. Not bad. I am curious as to why they they didn't just go with a walking stick, why they chose an umbrella. Because there are walking sticks that still exist to this day. A panel in the Grandmasters, which is you know, Jeff Goldblum, his viewing room is decorated with Jack Kirby artwork that comes from the Marvel comic Fantastic Four, number 64, of July 1967. Again, I would be really curious to find out why they chose that particular piece of art. Why? 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 Inquiring minds need to know. Let's see here. You know, I just did that. The Tommy Lee Jones two-face. Why? 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 You need to pick up on it, Russ. I'm just going to say that. Anyway, go ahead. What, <clears throat> which movie was that from? That was from Batman Forever. Why? 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 Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, that wasn't exactly one of his uh, best no. performances. Uh, let's see here. Where did I leave? Oh, <clears throat> in the scene where Thor is about to be introduced to uh, the Grand Master, an instrumental version of Pure Imagination from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory from 1971 plays in the background. And this is one that, that both my wife and I instantly recognized. It was super funny. And you just, you had this look of like confusion, like what, what is going on? And I, I just don't think you connected the dots in that instance, but it's just that, La 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 la. I still don't recognize it to this day. All I remember from Willy Wonka is the chocolate. I still don't remember it. Here, have another Snickers. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. Willy, you're Wonka. When shipping out promotional materials for this movie, it was given the code name Creature Report to discourage theft. Which do you can you think of another movie that has uh, oh. done the old code for the film? I can. What's the code name? Blue Harvest. Ah, very good. Very good. What was that movie for, Rush? Star Wars. Star Wars. 
Okay. Where'd I leave off? Oh, this film releases in 2017, along with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and Spider-Man Homecoming. This marks the first time the Marvel Cinematic Universe has released three films in the same year. This is actually... Cranking them out. They are. They're, they're, they're cranking them out. It's really exciting <laughs> to be able to see that. And, you know, this year, for instance, all three of those films, to me, uh, were enjoyable films. I think that... Um, they need to be a little mindful, though, of just making sure that they do not oversaturate the market because you you don't want Marvel fatigue to set in. And I know that they've just they've really done a dynamite job of, of these films coming out, but especially given the fact that now they have some TV shows that are backed by Marvel as well, they 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 do need to tread carefully, I suppose. I think tread carefully, yeah. yeah. Not to oversaturate. We got Hulu, we got Netflix, got CBS, got uh, and then. Uh, all the blockbuster stuff. Well, you know, Disney owns ABC, and of course, they, they've already got one or two shows on that. And then, and then to your point, Netflix. Um, I think Netflix has a bit more of the DC stuff, but I think they also have some Marvel stuff on there as well. But <clears throat> when you, like, for example, if you see a Star Wars movie and you see the Lucasfilm come on the screen, you're like, yes. And then it used to be when you saw Marvel come on the screen, you did the same thing. And now you're like, oh, another Marvel thing. Mm, see, I still get yeah. pumped every time. Actually, that is a theme song that I do like where like you see the, the, the comic pages flapping really quickly and you see the characters coming on and, and that they've um, evolved the Marvel Studios logo to be 3D and it has that, you know, and you see it all kind of morph up together and it gets me pumped to get a little goosebump action. Yeah, I'm still. I feel a little oversaturated. Oh, he's already claiming oversaturation. I like to see it in the movie theater, but anything beyond that, I don't know. Jeff Goldblum was previously considered for the role of Dr. Bruce Banner, a.k.a. Hulk, in Hulk 2003. Glad that didn't work out. I'm glad he became Grandmaster because, you know, I think it would be a mistake to be Hulk. You sound like Jeff Goldblum, but I wish people... At some point, we're going to get cameras in here so everybody can see our facial expressions and hand gestures, especially <laughs> me. But you can't do Jeff Goldblum without doing like all the hand gestures, like yeah. touch you on the shoulder bits and whatever. The film was retitled in Japan as Thor Battle Royale, which was a homage to the... Let's see if I can say this correctly. Koshin... Takami story battle royale about people who are imprisoned in an arena and seek escape. Again, here's another um, <clears throat> little, I don't know, chestnut, if you will. Water chestnut? <laughs> but, but like a little nugget of, of information that, I, I don't know, I, I'd be curious why they, they decided to do that. Obviously, I see the, the similarity and, and the relationship of the, those two different um stories, but still, I mean, just, yeah, I don't know. Why why didn't they just stick with Thor Ragnarok? I don't get it. Sir Anthony Hopkins had decided against returning as Odin, but upon reading the story, he changed his mind. And I'm glad that he did. I think that once again, it's amazing what happens when you get someone who creates a, um, a certain script. It's amazing how you can all of a sudden get people attached or detached from certain projects. And I think given the, the fact that there ha- there was just was a lot in there in terms of some of the um, totalitarian, or not totalitarian, excuse me, the, the totality of those plot points, I think that probably piqued his interest and he was willing to come out and, and do a third one. 
Chris Hemsworth plays Thor in the film while, and this is great, his younger brother Luke Hemsworth plays Thor in a battle um, during the play within the film. He's looking at his phone, ladies and gentlemen. I think there's, an, I think there, I don't know, I could be wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to M-dib Thor again because I think, uh, does he have a sister? Because uh, there's a, there's, I, I, I don't him. stalk him, Steve. I don't know. <laughs> Your, your wife does. I was going to say it. <laughs> the wife probably knows. Uh, there's because I was looking through the cast, and there was a girl who played. Yeah, Taylor Hemsworth. Interesting. Uh, I don't know if there's any relation, but she plays college girl number two in the movie. Mm. It was really funny watching that play because I I wanted to know who was playing it because we saw Matt Damon make his little cameo as Loki, but I was like, man, who is playing Thor? I can't. I just. And it was weird because he had like kind of a, a familiarity to his face. And of course, now we know he's Chris's brother. So yeah. I was like, yeah, which, you know, they must have had a lot of fun working out together because his arms are actually were pretty big, too. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that is the last little bit of uh, trivia for Thor Ragnarok. A lot of good stuff in there. What do you think? Are you asking me for my final thoughts? Ross? No, just did you enjoy the trivia? I enjoy all trivia. You're trivial. <laughs> <laughs> you want to play Trivial Pursuit? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that game. So overall, how many stars would you give Thor Ragnarok? Two and three quarters. Two and three quarters, he says. And why is that in terms of just your, your sum-upage? Because it, there was too much stuff that I wanted to see more of that I didn't see. And it was going in directions that I was feeling either confused on or giving me eye rolls or I, I just didn't think it was funny. Um, and at the end of the movie, I just kind of felt like, eh, you know, I didn't have as, as good of a time as I wanted to have in the, in the movie. But again, like I said in the beginning, I know I'm in the minority. A lot of folks are already raving about the film and I would say people could should consider what I have to say, but that they should still see it and 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 figure it out for themselves because they might think it's funny. Everyone has a different sense of humor, so sure. But yeah, I, I can't get over. I was thinking mm, two and three quarters, three back and forth, and I think it would be three if I if I had a better time in there. But as it stood, with a lot of the, the plot points and the humor and the script and stuff that I wanted to see more of, I I couldn't give it a three. All right, fair enough. Sorry. No need to apologize. This is this is your opinion, Steve. I don't want to be a negative Nancy. I personally will give it three and a half stars. And I say that because I, for one, really enjoyed the humor. I thought that it was definitely up my alley in terms of, of just the stuff that just tends to make me laugh. I also appreciated the unpredictability of a lot of the, the different types of humor. And you, you had some humor that was predictable, but a lot of it was like, oh, wow, I totally didn't see that coming, which was a lot of fun, whether it was, like I said, like Loki falling for 30 minutes or the whole Tony Stark tight pants thing. There, there was just a lot there that just, it really made for a fun film. And you could tell that, they took some cues from guardians of the galaxy and, and I just, I, once again, I think it worked because it was this alien based film. I also appreciated, um, like what I mentioned earlier, the, some of the totality elements of the film 
where we just we we saw a lot of things, whether it was Thor losing his eye or his hammer being destroyed or Odin passing on. There there were just a lot of of different events that once they transpired, they're going to have this 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 lasting effect moving forward with all the the different Mar- uh, Marvel movies here. However. I think one of the flaws of the film was the fact that they are still struggling with the fact that a lot of the Thor movies are too shallow. They're very surface level. They need to do more deep dives. And I think that this particular film was, even though it was the strongest of the three Thor films, I think that um, there needs to be more depth to a lot of the backstory just because the fact that, that it's drenched in this Nordic lore, I mean, they already have a lot of the, the foundation working out for them. It's already been created. They just need to have fun with it at this point. And so looking at that, I, I I'm very much anxious to see how the next Thor movie will, will, will pan out. I hope that that does in fact happen, but yeah, I would say, it goes back and forth. As I'm talking about it, I would say it's between three and three and a half stars. It was a film that I, I did really thoroughly enjoy. And, and I think that Marvel has done just a really swell job <laughs> this year between the three films. Well, and with that, I think this wraps up this particular episode. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and subscribe to get the most out of the show. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on soundcloud.com slash joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our, our gaming adventures live. And right now, we're having a blasty blast doing that with Steve actually going about it through the survival horror of the evil within two. And so if you want to see him scream like a little girl, watch until next time. (laughs) (laughs) Happy gaming. Later.